Welcome to So Says Rick. Mostly True Stories by Rick Hall. He's Rick Hall. And she's Laura Hall. Wow, we really mixed up. We did. We're changing it all up. And this is episode number 12. Now, if you didn't listen to episode 11 yet, stop right now. Don't go any further. Because this episode is a continuation of last week's. And if you listen to this episode now, it will be a spoiler for everything that's in episode 11. Yeah, and it won't really make sense. (laughs) Well, there's that, too. (laughs) So if you haven't listened to uh, episode 11, we'll wait. Go ahead, listen to it now. Okay, good. You've and got we're it. back. You're back. Okay. <laughs> well, I hope you learned a lot in that episode from chapter one and two of Slice of Pie. And in that episode, we mentioned that our friend Kelly McLeod played Juanita and that she and I spent so much time on the set together. I could tell that she and Laura musically were so in tune with each other that I thought they should be in a band together. And I came home and told you that, didn't I? And I was like, well, you know, just because you love the same kind of music doesn't mean you can write together and be in a band together. But he was right. What? What? I was what? I'm sorry. Yes, you you were right. Okay. Did you hear that, everyone? My wife just said I was right. There you go. Recorded for posterity. That's right. And so that was indeed the beginning. That's the origin story of The Sweet Potatoes. We ended up recording three albums. We toured a lot. We had a great time together and a lovely 10-year run. Yes, started by me because Mm -hmm. I was right once. (laughs) We've been thinking about Kelly a lot this week because Ed Van Halen died just a couple days ago. I know we all grew up with Eddie Van Halen and we rocked out to him, you know. My sisters and I used to dance around our bedroom with it cranked up. I didn't do that, but I did crank it up in my Maverick when I would drive into town. (laughs) So Kelly and Ed were friends because Ed had discovered her band back when she was 17 singing in a club in Shreveport, Louisiana. He ended up bringing them to L.A., he produced their records, he brought them out on a world tour. And when you say he brought them to L.A., he actually put Kelly and a couple band members up at his house. He and Valerie Bertinelli let them live with them for over a year. Yeah, so he was like a mentor to them and really helped them start their career. We were talking to Kelly this morning, and she said, I want people to know what a funny kind, humble man he was and how generous he was. She actually said to me, Rick Hall, Ed was as funny as you are. Wow. Yeah, and I can't play guitar as well, so I'm pretty (laughs) far down the food chain there. But he probably wasn't as good as farming as you are. (laughs) There you go. Thank you, honey. (laughs) Thank you so much. And speaking of rocking out, Kelly has a new album out called Wide Open, And it's definitely revisiting her rock roots. That girl can sing. Yeah, she kicks it out. So check it out. You can go to her website, kellymcleodmusic.com. You better spell McLeod. Oh, right. It's a tricky name. M-A-C-L-E-O-D. That's the Scottish version. It is a Scottish name. That was some good Scottish (laughs) From both of us. Yeah, right. And um, you can also get it on iTunes and all that. Here's a connection. You ready for this segue? Phil Swan produced her album, 
And he produced what? All the sweet potato CDs. And he produced the Slice of Pie CD that we're listening we're to. We're about to listen to. I know, I know. And he wrote the novel of the audiobook I'm recording right now. It's what? all about Phil Swan. It is. It's like an evil cabal, and he's at the center of it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so now on to the next installment of Slice of Pie, recorded live in Van Nuys, California. Produced by Phil Swan. Chapter 3. The next day at work, Carter was so keyed up about his date, he was just about useless. He packed a lunch so he didn't have to go to the diner and see Juanita. He was a little afraid she might have changed her mind about going to the ham and bean dinner with him. Mr. Rudolph came out to the mill about four and sent Carter home. Son, you're so distracted you're going to lose a limb in the machinery. Not worried about you, but you could gum up some perfectly good equipment. Why don't you just go on home and get ready for your date? Carter was wondering how Mr. Rudolph knew about the date, but he was a little afraid to ask, so he headed home. At home, Carter sat down in his lazy boy and immediately fell asleep. Carter had been blessed with a gift of sleep. When things got too stressful, he could just shut down his brain and slip away for a few minutes. When he woke up, he was ready to face the challenge at hand. It was not avoidance, it was preparation. In high school, before wrestling matches, while the crowd was gathering and the tension was mounting, all the boys would warm up on the mat while Carter napped on a bench in the locker room. Then the towel boy would come in and wake him up. He would go from sleeping to wrestling in under a minute. He had the best record on the team, so coach let him do it his way. <laughs> Ten minutes in the Lazy Boy was all he needed. Carter woke up from his nap, showered, shaved, and hopped in his truck. On the way through town, he stopped at his mom's to pick a bunch of flowers. He was just going to pick them and sneak away so he didn't have to explain that he finally had a date, but as he pulled up, his mom was sitting on the front porch. Come on up here, give your mom a kiss. Carter reluctantly climbed the steps, and there was his mom sitting on the porch swing with a five-gallon bucket of fresh-cut flowers in front of her. Carter had a pretty good idea what was up, but he was obliged to ask. So... What are the flowers for? <laughs> Your date? <laughs> How'd you know about that? Well, I play cards with Clara Rudolph on Thursday nights, and her daughter and Heather Remby are best friends. You should have seen Clara's face when Heather told us Juanita was going to the ham and bean dinner with you instead of that James Reno. Honey, I am so proud of you. <laughs> Good night, nurse. Does everybody know about this stupid date? Carter grabbed the bucket and headed down the steps. You're welcome. His mom hollered from the swing. Thank you, he bellered back. He plopped the bucket in the back of the truck and hooked it to the side with a bungee cord. His tailgate was rusted open, and even though he resented his mom picking flowers for his date, he didn't want to lose them. Now, Juanita lived a mile west of town on a couple acres on the edge of her family's farm. It was getting dark as he pulled up with the overgrown, rutted lane. He bounced around so much he could hear the water slopping out of the bucket in the back. He twisted around to see if the flowers were still intact. And as he did, he heard a thud. He hit something. Carter stopped the truck and jumped out, dropped down on one knee and looked underneath. And under the passenger side was a lump. Even in the dim light, he could tell it was a dog. Carter stopped and said a quick prayer. Lord, don't let this be Juanita's dog, Bert. 
He gently grasped the dog's back legs and pulled him out from under the truck, and there was Bert with a muddy tread mark of a Firestone 70R15 light-duty mud-and-snow tire across his chest. He was dead as a doornail, no suffering or struggling. Carter was now faced with a moral dilemma. The date could still be salvaged. He was far enough down the lane, he could just hide Bert in the brush and wait for the body to just turn up one day. Or he could ruin the date and any chance of a future with Juanita and tell her he killed Bert. His first impulse was to take a quick nap to shut down his brain for a couple minutes. (laughs) If he did that, he knew he'd have the right answer, but there wasn't time. He looked at the dog. Somehow, Carter had run over Bert without causing a scratch or even a drop of blood. If Bert didn't have the muddy tire tread across his chest, you might have think he was just sleeping. Carter brushed off the mud and hoisted Bert in the back of the truck. And as he drove up the lane, he tried to think of the least offensive way to say, Juanita, just killed your dog. Can we still go on our date? (laughs) He knocked on the front door and waited for Juanita. And when it finally opened, she looked different. And he realized it had been years since he'd seen her in anything but her waitress uniform. Tonight, she was all dolled up. She was wearing turquoise cowgirl boots with a print skirt and lacy top that was unbuttoned, just enough not to reveal too much of what could have been revealed if she were a more revealing woman. (laughs) When his eyes finally made their way up to her face, he could see she'd been crying. What's the matter, Juanita? Bert's dead. He's laying down the lane. I found him on the way home from work and just left him there. I figured you could help me. Carter's mind was in high gear. (laughs) Even without a nap to collect his thoughts, he quickly said, Yeah, and I saw the old boy and I put him in the back of my truck. (laughs) Thank you, Carter, Juanita said as she collapsed into his arms and wept. Now Carter was faced with another moral dilemma. As he held this beautiful woman in his arms, he knew his purpose was merely to comfort her, but he couldn't ignore the way her soft, warm body pressed against his. This was not a sensation he had experienced very often in his life, and not at all in the last 15 years. He tried not to let himself enjoy it too much by by thinking about dead pets, specifically the one in the back of his truck. But it wasn't working very well. He was afraid if this went on too long, Juanita might become aware of his lack of focus on her grief. Then, just as quickly as the embrace had started, it stopped. Juanita stepped back and pulled herself together. Years of living as a single woman on a farm had taught her not to wallow. She wiped her eyes, blew her nose into a well-worn tissue and said, I need to get away from here for a while. Let's go to a ham and bean dinner. As he walked back to the truck, Carter realized he had to do something with Bert. He couldn't just park in front of the Methodist church with a dead dog in the back. <laughs> hey, um, Juanita, I got an old blanket behind the seat of the truck. One I wrap up Bert, and tomorrow you and I can bury him next to my old dog Taffy. That's a good idea. Bert and Taffy always got along. As Juanita sat in the cab of the truck looking through Carter's 70s white boy rock cassettes, he wrapped up Bert and looped the bungee cord around one end of the blanket. Since the tailgate was useless, he didn't want Bert bouncing out. He looked at the bucket of flowers and pulled out a single daisy. 
As he got back into the truck, he handed it to Juanita, who smiled for the first time that night. When he started up the truck, the cassette player kicked in with knights in white satin. <laughs> Carter smiled, too. This was not the way he expected his date to start, but it was just fine. Well, that was a trip down memory lane, wasn't it? It was. And you know what? Every time I listen to this, it makes me think about shooting the movie version of Slice of Pie. What an experience that was and how generous everyone back home was to open their businesses and their homes to us. As a matter of fact, the seed company where we were, where we shot that was Rice's Seed Company and Bill and Gwenda and their daughter Pam not only opened up the place to us and let us do whatever we wanted, one day they bought us lunch. Wow. And we had friends from Chicago who helped. Right. Our buddies Jack Brownes, Tom Hannigan, and Mark Chotsky drove all the way down from the city to play the slacker guys in that scene. That's right. That's right. And the porch where we shot Mom's house, and I'm doing air quotes right now, um, was Claudia and Jimmy Vaughn's house. And my movie mom was Donna Weinstein. She was so great. Yeah, we had some good, you got some really good actors. Top-notch actors. Yep. Here's the other thing. We even had friends in L.A. help. Right. And one of the dads at our kids' elementary school happens to be a prop master. His name is Rick Latimade. And I saw him on campus one day, and I said, hey, Rick, I'm doing an indie film, and I need a dead dog. Do you have a fake dead dog? And he said, oh, yeah, I got one hanging in my garage right now. Only in L.A. That's right. right. Do you remember when I walked in the house with that fake dead oh, dog? Our oh, our kids were just like, get that thing out of here. It was very realistic. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And here's the difference between the city kids and the farm kids. The dog needed fixed up a little bit. He had his, needed to have his tail sewn back on. So when we got to the farm, my sister-in-law, Sandy, sewed his tail back on. But she laid him on the kitchen table, and she was sewing up this dog while her daughters were eating their lunch. They had a sandwich there. <laughs> Didn't bother them a bit. Not a bit. And Sandy also, her and her husband, Rob, also opened up their house for us, and uh, it became Juanita's house in the film. And that's their porch is where I had my kiss with Juanita. I Speaking of that, my daughter Ruthie was standing in the back of a, a little theater once when we were doing a screening, and Kelly was right beside her, and when, they got to that, when we got to the kiss, she turned to Kelly and said, Good acting, Kelly. (laughs) (laughs) The other thing about that kiss is that, you know, I did the music for the film, and there's music under that scene, so I had to watch the kiss over and over and over again. And then Kelly's husband, Norm, did the audio editing for the film, so he had to watch it over and over again, too. So we just really got to experience that kiss. Uh It actually made it... It neutralized it. Well, and we only, actually, we only did two takes of the kiss, so I only kissed her twice. I think we've talked about this story <laughs> long enough. So we're looking forward to next episode when we do the last two chapters of the audiobook Slice of Pie. We'll see you then. Bye bye. See you then. Bye.